Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Abuja, Nigeria and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about African players in Germany. It looks like it's going to be increasingly harder for African players to make it in the Bundesliga. We speak to Lutz Fannerstiel, a scout at Hoffenheim. The rules and regulations in Germany that uh, uh, some people call it unfortunate. Um, certain passport players cannot play in the under-23s and cannot play as well in the under-19s. And as the route to the Bundesliga is tougher, more African players will have to go through smaller leagues. There's the Norwegian, Danish, Finnish, as well as Swedish leagues that provides a platform for young players coming from Africa. Here's a league that gives you an opportunity to play. Plus analysis from the English Premier League after a busy week. That's coming later, but first to the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan, the annual competition where the continental champions play. Now, last week we discussed the chances of African champions Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa. Solomon and I were hopeful that they would get to the semi-finals, but they lost their first match, their quarter-final against Kashima Antlers of Japan 2-0, and then lost 4-1 to Asian champions Jeonbuk Hyundai of South Korea in the fifth and sixth playoff. So a sixth-place finish for Mamelodi Sundowns. How would you assess their performance, Solomon? I would say the performance uh, was uh, below expectation because of the way Sundowns played uh, to get to uh, the final um, of the Africa Champions League and winning the the Champions League trophy. Uh, A lot was suspected of them. And also, if you look at the caliber of players they have, they have so many major internationals within the team. Uh, So the the performance was really below expectations. In their first game against uh, Kashima Andlas, where they lost uh, 2-0, they really were outplayed by the Japanese. Even in the area of uh, the physical part of the game, they were outplayed by the Japanese. They didn't create enough chances. Uh, they didn't finish well. So there was this just huge uh, form of inexperience. It's not the way they play in South Africa where you could uh, create a few chances and still uh, get to win the game. So they, they did poorly for me. In the, in the fifth, sixth place game, they uh, didn't do well either. And I feel this would be a huge, huge learning curve for Mami Lodi Sundowns. I think it would make them stronger as they go back to this local South African league, as they also defend their African Champions Trophy uh, across the continent next year. It would really make them better players. It will make them uh, a better team. So I'm, I feel even for Mami Lodi Sundowns coach, Coach uh, Pitsuma Simani and his players, this would go a long way in really helping them to be a better team and be stronger. So Sundowns unable to emulate T.P. Mazembe of DR Congo and Raja Casablanca of Morocco, who both reached the final of the Club World Cup in the past. Now, intriguingly, the FIFA Club World Cup is making history as video assistance is being used to support referees' decisions for the first time in a FIFA competition. The trial involves video assistant referees being given access to all television feeds inside a video operations room. This enables them to provide information to the referee on the field of play in order to correct clear mistakes in match-changing situations. 
These include serious incidents including goals, penalty decisions, direct red cards and cases of mistaken identity. The video assistant referees will play a supporting role along with the assistant referees and the fourth official, but the referee continues to take the first as well as the final decision on the field of play as the referee will be shown replays on a pitch side monitor. Now, interestingly, Kashima Antlers went through to the final of the Club World Cup after beating Atletico Nacional of Colombia 3-0, with the first goal coming from a penalty awarded using a video replay, which showed that a Kashima player had been tripped. Now, Bob Hamer is a former English Premier League referee and now a match assessor. He joins me from the UK. Uh, Bob, uh, this system, is it good news for football? Yeah, I think it is. I've been saying for oh, many years now that uh, since we've had the um, goal line decision technology, that anything that can help referees on match days, uh, as long as it works, has got to be a good thing. And so that's the big challenge, of course, making sure that it does actually work and do what we want it to do. Now, former FIFA president Sepp Blatter was against too much technology in football, saying that it would disturb the flow of the game. Now, on this trial, FIFA say they want the essential flow of the game to be maintained. But to Bob, are we going to end up with football becoming like tennis, cricket and rugby, where there can be lengthy stoppages for video reviews? I think that's one thing we can be sure of. No, it won't. Um, I know they've been, FIFA have been doing this trial for probably about 18 months now, and they've been looking at it in the Dutch league, I believe, and some of our people have gone over there to see what's happening. And so I've heard a little bit about it, and now they're going to trial it in live games in this competition. And what they're insisting on is that they, they don't have lengthy stoppages. So the essential flow of the game will be maintained. And as I understand it, what will happen, the referee will be in contact with whoever sat in the operations room and something happens, say, within the penalty area. Was it a penalty, wasn't it? Um, he will ask them to look at it and the game will continue. Now, this is where the challenge comes. Uh, he will get an answer the next time the ball goes out of play. Now, what they don't want, of course, is the next time the ball goes out of play, it's in the goal net at the other end of the field. And you say, well, no, that's actually not a goal to you. We're going to have a penalty at the other end of the field. So that would be a difficult one to sell. So I think this is why they're going to have two to three years, I think, trial in this to see just how it can work. OK, so it sounds like it's going to be a process. Uh, we already have long stoppages for injuries, so does it matter if the video assistant takes a few minutes to be 100% sure that he's got the decision right? Well, I don't think that's going to happen uh, because FIFA will insist that the referee gets an answer within a certain length of time. For example, the um, goal decision one, the goal line technology, they insisted that the technology was such that the referee had an answer within one second and it goes straight to the watch on his wrist and the earpiece will immediately say goal 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 and it will flash up on his watch and that has to happen within one second and they developed the technology for that the problem with other things say within a penalty area the referee's looking was it a penalty was it not you can't stop the game to look at it because it might not be if it's not a penalty how do you restart the game just another drop ball. And that's the problem. That is the big challenge for them, to be able to get a system that actually works. 
So still not that easy by the sounds of it. And just finally, Bob, in the English Premier League, the goal line technology is being used this season, and that seems to be working very well. It does work well, uh, and it works well because it works, and they get it right every time from from what I can see. It. Um, and we've been using it for a couple of seasons now, and everybody accepts it. It's only in Premier League games because the technology is very uh, expensive to. Um, set it all up in the first place something i believe like fifty thousand pounds per ground to set it up so the system works and that's why it's working well and the referee has an instant answer within one second thanks bob that's a bob hamer former english premier league referee and now a match assessor in england you can tell us what you think about this on facebook and on whatsapp are you in favor of video assistant referees they're being trialed at the fifa club world cup in japan and we had a penalty awarded in the semi-finals after the referee was shown a video replay but it will mean more stoppages even if they are short as a bob is saying there on the other hand it will reduce wrong decisions so are you in favor of video assistant referees send us a whatsapp to plus four four Seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and you can download our app and listen to the show any time. To download it, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store, and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show any time on the app and access past programs in our archive. Also, you can listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, still to come, listeners' thoughts on Yaya Toure's drink-driving controversy. But now, a few months ago on the show, we talked about African players in Germany. While the reigning African footballer of the year, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, has made a huge impact with Borussia Dortmund, the African presence in the Bundesliga hasn't been so strong in recent years. Going back in time, Ghana striker Tony Yeboa was at Eintracht Frankfurt in the 90s, the same time that Nigeria legend JJ Okocha was there. There was Ghana defender Sami Kufour at Bayern Munich, playing for 12 seasons from 1993 onwards. Well, it looks like it's going to be increasingly harder for African players to make it in Germany. Olawashina Okaleji spoke to Lutz Fannerstiel. He's Director of International Relations and Scouting at German club Hoffenheim. He played as a goalkeeper on all six continents and coached in Namibia. Now, at Hoffenheim, Fannerstiel has scouted African players such as Nigerian Chinedu Obasi, Senegal's Demba Ba, Zimbabwe's Knowledge Musona and Ghanaian Isaac Vorsa. Well, Olawashina first asked Fannerstiel what exactly European scouts are looking out for in Africa. Well, you know, the, in the past, obviously, uh, African players uh, were always had big impacts in, in, in Europe, not just in, in Germany, but also in England, in Austria, in Belgium, in France anyway. Uh, so that, that there is unbelievable talent looking at the, at the past world-class players Africa uh, produced. Uh, it's just normal that this is one of the continents where I would call it the raw talent, the raw diamonds are, are basically uh, are still around, uh, especially in, in, in West Africa. And so I think uh, it is, it's a duty for every uh, uh, club in Europe to, to uh, at least have a look 
what exactly what possibilities, what talents, what uh, options are at the moment at certain age groups in, in, in Africa. And that's why I think uh, not just me, many other clubs are basically keeping the tracks on, on African players and, and at least getting an overview of what at the moment is on the market. And talking often, um, we recall some notable African names that have gone through that club. Dembaba, for instance, Chinedu Obasi, and of course, Knowledge Musona. Tell me, what sort of uh, memories do Germans have about these three players? Hey, you forgot also Isaac Forza. Ah, uh, true, yeah. the Ghanaian, <laughs> the Ghanaian one. Yeah. The Ghanaian so player. I mean, I mean Isaac uh, and uh, Dembaba, as well as uh, Obasi, they had were part of the, the you know the, the Hoffenheim team. Uh, which came up from the second league and then uh, had a brilliant start into the season. So they're all very, very well remembered. Looking at Dembaba, I mean, after he left Hoffenheim, he, he made a big career in England and in, in Besiktas. And wherever he went, he was always a pure danger man. Uh, Obasi went to, went to Schalke, uh, did okay uh, at Isaac Fossa. He went on to, to play in Austria. With Muzona, well, he came from, from Kaiser Chiefs to us and, uh, you know, was a very, very young boy. Unfortunately, through the circumstances, he didn't really get the big breakthrough and we sold him to Ostende in Belgium. And now we see with a very, uh, yeah, we're very, very happy for him that uh, he does very well in Belgium and is considered now one of the, the finest players in the Belgium league. The low side of that story right now is the fact that in the German Bundesliga, we don't get to see a lot of Africans um, playing in the top flight. Back in the days, we see a lot of a host lot of African players playing in that um, top flight division. Now, um, Salomon Kalu, Pierre-Marc Aubameyang, maybe Nabi Keita, and um, Ben Taleb has come on loan, Baba Rahman has come back on loan. Why is it a struggle now to see some African players playing in German top flight? I wouldn't put it um, that there is no more uh, talents in Africa. It's simply through to the circumstances that uh, in Germany, what have changed the last 10 years. I mean, in the year 2000 and 2004, the German Bundesliga and especially the DFB, German Football Association, they uh, wanted to change things after uh, the international tournament, especially in the year 2000 and also 2004, didn't really go that well. They said we need to change things uh, in the youth development. Also, our youth national teams didn't perform that top class anymore at the, at the Under-17 World Cup, Under-20 World Cup. And they introduced um, uh, this new system of, some, it's called uh, Stützpunkt. Uh, it's basically some kind of academies where the top players getting more and more detailed, educated without leaving their clubs. So basically they having like two times a week some special training at uh, different uh, points in Germany. Uh, so basically all that system was completely restructured and as we all know in football nothing happens overnight so it took like eight to ten years till you saw the first results and that is now the reason why uh, in Germany the number of young players which going through the under 17 and the 19 league directly make it into the Bundesliga it's an unbelievable high number uh, if uh, you look in for example at my club Hoffenheim we having now in the first team we having players like uh, Niklas Süle Jeremy Tolian, uh, many, many players who actually starting players or players who playing lots of getting lots of playing time in the Bundesliga, they're all coming through our under-19 team. Our coach, which is now very successful, Julian Nagelsmann, the youngest coach in Bundesliga history, he also coached before the under-19s. So it just shows that the youth development, we're trying very, very hard and with a very, very good structure to develop our own players. And unfortunately, that means that we don't have to 
take lots of young players anymore from Africa or from Brazil. You could put the same example onto Brazil. There used to be many, many young Brazilian players or Brazilian players in the German Bundesliga. At the moment, there's not so many anymore. Like I said, nothing to do with the level of, of South America or Africa. It purely has to do that we, I will give you my example now in Hoffenheim, we're trying to develop our own players, to bring our players through the youth team. And uh, it worked so far. So now, young African players would have to double their efforts, hopefully, probably go through a route to get to Europe and then dream of playing in the Bundesliga. You know, it also has to do uh, with, with the, uh, the rules and regulations in Germany that uh, uh, some people call it unfortunate. Um, certain passport players cannot play in the under-23s and cannot play as well in the under-19s. And that makes it very difficult because if you bring a young African player, Uh, he cannot uh, basically play matches, he only can train. And that is something where uh, it's also not good for the player. And uh, through the regulation in the European football, it's not so easy at the moment for, for players with other passports. That's another, another part. But um, I'm not worried about the future of African football. Uh, as you know, going to the, to the Francophone countries like France or Belgium, you still find top-class young players. The only route maybe which is changing now that uh, the African players they first will probably play in another country like going to Norway going to Austria going to Belgium before they hit the Bundesliga again but uh, I'm not worried that there will be no more Africans in the Bundesliga there will always be some Africans there and I think it's very exciting to see some of the, the, the really uh, talented African style players uh, playing in Central Europe and I think uh, that will also be in the future like that That's Lutz Fannerstiel speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. Fascinating stuff. So it's harder now for young African players to make it in the German Bundesliga because of the youth policy that came in 10 or so years ago in Germany, where clubs are focusing on developing their own German players. And also there are certain restrictions on players who are not European. Certainly we saw the fruits of that youth development uh, when Germany won the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Well, Olawa Sheena joins me now from France. Uh, Sheena, so that route to the Bundesliga is now tougher, but nothing will stop talented young African players of dreaming of making it to the top leagues of Europe. And it looks like they have to be prepared for some tougher routes. They will start looking at the other uh, options available to them. They will quickly um, look at the story of Nabi Keita, who is um, shining in the call of um, RB Leipzig in the German Bundesliga right now. Remember, he was picked from the appearing club um, Red Bull Salzburg in Austria. He, he was picked from there to come play in the German Bundesliga and see how much his fortune has changed dramatically. And so they can also look at the uh, Belgian league where they give platform to young African players to thrive and, of course, um, perform. But the biggest opportunity for them will be in the Scandinavia. There's the Norwegian, Danish, Finnish, as well as Swedish leagues that provides a platform for young players coming from Africa. Here's a league that gives you an opportunity to play. Um, you'll be given um, a support, an introduction to European football, exposure and everything. So if you can actually get there from Africa, you play in some of these leagues, like we've seen the likes of um, Chinedu Abasi, moving from there, Abdul Majid Waris, all those players who came from the Scandinavia, uh, moving from there to bigger leagues. I think it will be an opportunity for young African players to show what they can do, showcase themselves in a, in a smaller league, And hopefully, um, from the small pond, attract the big pond. They want to be the, big, uh, the small fish in a big pond by moving to the German Bundesliga. So I think this dream will be fulfilled. They can live this dream and play in the German Bundesliga one day. 
Well, thanks very much to Oluwashina Okaleji joining us from France. We're next on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. We turn to Facebook and to WhatsApp. And on last week's show, we asked whether we should expect footballers to have good discipline and good character. Three weeks ago, Manchester City and Ivory Coast midfielder Yaya Toure was charged with drink driving. And in November, England captain Wayne Rooney was seen drunk at the England team hotel at 5am. These are just two examples of the shortcomings of players. But they have the challenge of coping with fame and fortune, which is not easy. So we asked, do you think the players should have good character or are they just human like the rest of us? Well, on Facebook first, and Cherno Jallo from The Gambia asked, Is this story true? I thought that Yaya Toure was a good Muslim, and therefore he does not drink alcohol. We usually see him quit team celebrations after winning a trophy to avoid the champagne. This story is strange, says Cherno. Well, yes, the story is true, and this week Toure admitted the charge after being found to be more than twice the legal limit for driving after taking alcohol. He was fined $78,000, that figure based on his income, and banned from driving for 18 months. On his Facebook page, Toure said he'd not intentionally consumed alcohol, and he told a court he thought he was drinking diet cola from a jug at a party without realising that it had brandy in it. Toure also apologised, saying it's well known that I am a Muslim and I do not drink. I've always refused alcohol. Back in 2012, Toure turned down the offer of a bottle of champagne after winning a Man of the Match award. And since then, the English Premier League has since offered a bottle of Ward, a combination of rose water and pomegranate, instead to Muslim players. Hope that clears that up, Cherno. Now, Fabrice Sibefe in Cameroon says, Players are humans just like you and me. I think that they are role models in the lives of many young and aspiring footballers, so they should have a degree of discipline and good character because this is what makes you a good footballer and a professional. Pa Humbe Baji agrees, as an African and a Gambian by nationality, says Pa, I think discipline is a must in whatever you do in life. Being a footballer means you are a role model to many, and doing the opposite means you're leading the young in the direction of a bad life. Suleiman Sonko, also in the Gambia, says players should have both discipline and good character because that is the key to success, and players are role models to many in the young generation. Mohamed Kande in the Gambia agrees that players are role models and therefore should live responsible lives. Of course, they have to have good character, says Mohamed. After all, people like us follow them for behaving well. Let them enjoy their millions, but they should always be responsible. On to what's up now, and Balong Baji says, any player who wants to be gratified both during and after his career must have and show a high standard of discipline no matter what, because it guides you to have a good character which is the best thing in one's career and is laudable. Thanks for that one, Balong. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi says character is needed for players. They're in the eyes of many fans all around the world. Ebrima Ambo Barrow is in Palermo in Italy. He says, I think players should be as good as possible because lots of big players are role models uh, to the new breed of players. And Ebrima Manchester in the Gambia agrees. He says, yes, they should have discipline and good character because they are our role models. And it's interesting just how many of you are saying that you're expecting top players to be role models for young people as well as being skillful footballers. 
To Zambia now, and Mwinga Maimbolowa says players are just human. Most times these things happen when they're off duty, but sadly that's the price they pay for the fame that they've earned. Daniel in Ghana agrees. Football is a game of discipline, says Daniel. Although players have a private life and different and personal characters, they should have it in their minds that most young people are looking up to them. In Cameroon, Donald has a slightly different view. I think these guys are just human like us, says Donald. They're professionals who know what to do, so they have the right to have leisure or to have fun. And Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone says, Yes, I believe that players should have good character on the field and off the field. Drinking alcohol is not good for them as players, and disciplinary action should be in place for any player found drinking. It's for the good of the game, says Jesse. Ishmael Saidukanu, also in Sierra Leone, says players are human and can make mistakes, but as public figures, they should always be mindful of what they do. They should always be role models in society, therefore they must have good character. And finally, Paul Mauya in Malawi says, even though they are humans, they're answerable to God as well. If they too call upon the name of Jesus, they will be saved. He can change their character as well. So most listeners expect high standards of discipline on and off the field from footballers. Thanks very much for those comments and always great to hear from you. And this week we're asking, are you in favour of video assistant referees? History was made at the FIFA Club World Cup in Japan as video assistance is being used to support referees' decisions for the first time in a FIFA competition. And Japanese side Kashima Antlers were awarded a penalty in the semi-finals after the referee was shown a video replay. So the technology could disturb the flow of play, but it will reduce wrong decisions. So are you in favour of video assistant referees? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, now to the English Premier League, where there were 20 games played in the space of five days. Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Uh, Stuart Leicester seemed to be back to last season's form with an exhilarating 4-2 win over Manchester City last weekend, only to lose to Bournemouth midweek. Leicester had the most amazing game against Manchester City. Interestingly, immediately after the game, Claudio Ranieri said there's no point in winning today if we finish up losing at Bournemouth. And that is exactly what happened. And incredibly, Leicester City have now lost seven out of eight away games. One draw, no wins. Amazingly inconsistent. They do okay at home, but just cannot get anything on the road. Talking of Manchester City, great to see Kelechi Ehenecho getting his 50th appearance for Manchester City. You know, for a 20-year-old, that's an amazing achievement, considering how difficult it is to break into the Manchester City squad. So, where does this leave the Premier League? Well, Chelsea are now six points clear at the top, with Liverpool and Arsenal next, and Manchester City a further point behind. And the secret is simply that Chelsea have now managed to put together 10 league wins in a row. And in eight of those, they've not conceded a goal. In seven of them, they've fielded an unchanged team. And Diego Costa has got seven goals. So it's a really great period for Chelsea. Conte has got them playing well. 
Now, the bottom of the table is really tight at the moment. Sunderland bottom, then Hull, then Swansea. But Leicester, West Ham, Crystal Palace and Middlesbrough really are not part of it. And it's been a very strange sequence because before the midweek games, the last five sets of Premier League fixtures have seen the team that was bottom winning. That was either Sunderland or Swansea. But both of those teams are still in the bottom three, despite their recent wins. Wednesday night was a great night for Kenya, with Victor Wanyama scoring for Tottenham, and Divrock Origi, uh, who is actually Belgian, but whose father is a Kenyan international, scored for Liverpool. And that is five goals and five matches for Origi. You know, he's been around for a while has struggled to get game time, but now just seems to be beginning to break through, which is really great for him. Now, Steve, I know you love these. At the weekend, Jeff Hendrick, the Burnley number 13, scored Burnley's 13th goal of the season against Bournemouth, and it came in the 13th minute. I wonder if 13 is his lucky number. Now, I just want to talk about an interesting incident that happened at the weekend when Robert Snodgrass of Hull City became the first player for 10 years to win a penalty, score the penalty, and then concede a penalty in the same game. But what made it even more interest is that Snodgrass should never have got the penalty in the first place. It seemed to be a dive. And actually, he apologised afterwards for going down when there'd been no contact. But strange that he should get this record, but at the same time, apologise for doing it. (laughs) Well, well. Well, thanks, Stuart. Uh, So much excitement in the English Premier League. Action continues this weekend. The big games on Sunday, Manchester City playing Arsenal. And on Monday, Everton against Liverpool. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashams in Nigeria and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks so much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.